you're listening to Church of Hope's podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope today's teaching encourages and inspires you. Check out hopeinocala.com for more resources on this journey called life. Here's today's teaching. That's the question of the day in which we live, isn't it? How do you make the world a better place? We started a Bible study last week about the Holy Spirit and called Juicy Fruit and how we let the Holy Spirit work through us to make the world a better place. Jesus, when Jesus came, he said, I've come to make life best. I want the world. I don't want you just to have a regular experience. I want you to have an extraordinary experience experience. And then when Jesus left to go back to heaven, he left the Holy Spirit. He said to the disciples then, and he says to us now, listen, I've given you the Holy Spirit. I'll let him live through you. All things are possible as we yield our lives. If you got your Bible, you can join me in Galatians chapter number five, remind you that the fruit that we're going to talk about over the next several weeks, these different words, they're all the fruit of the Spirit. It's not our fruit. See, we might think that somehow if we would be better, if we would work better, if we would try harder, that somehow if we did something, that then that something would make the world a better place. And unfortunately, that leads to frustration. And many times it leads to bitterness. Uh, people right now are, are, are talking about how, how, do we, how do we make this world uh, a better place? There's all kinds of opinions. What I'm suggesting is that the Holy Spirit through you and through me as Christ followers, will make this world better. Here, look what it says in Galatians 5 and 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is, there is no law. We, we can try to make legislations. We can try to make more rules, right? To get people to act a certain way. But this whole book, Galatians Paul's writing and saying, listen, guys, it's not about your behavior, right? One of the tragedies in Christianity is somehow we've been told that it's about behavior modification. That if you'd act a certain way, if you'd act better, then God would like you more, right? If you do a certain thing, and, and we've missed it. It's not about you and I acting better. It's about you and I understanding, yielding our life, and let the fruit of the Spirit flow through us and in us. And so this morning, we're going to look at that word kindness, right? Each week, we're going to look at a different word. And we could all agree today, if there's one thing that would make our world a little bit better, is just a little bit more kindness. But what does that word even mean? So what I want you to do is I'm going to give you some backstory, but I want you to go ahead and open up to 2 Samuel chapter 9. There's a story that I'd like to share with you this morning from the Bible in 2 Samuel chapter number 9. But have you noticed how life has a way of pushing you down? Have you noticed how life has a way of kind of snuffing out your, your, your dreams? You know, we, 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 maybe you made a mistake. Maybe you got off course. Maybe you said something, did something, that somehow you find yourself in a place that you never thought that you would be this morning. It's easy, right, to get discouraged, to get down, get depressed, get bitter. You see something on the news, right? And sometimes it wasn't even your fault, right? Sometimes it's 
someone has done something to you. It's what they had done. And it left us at a disadvantage. Our sense of identity is lost. Our, our self-image, our confidence. And too often what happens, right? That moment happened in our lives. And now we're nursing that moment as we're going through lives. And slowly but surely, that bitterness gets rooted. I think if you would just look at our whole culture, look at our society, you see people who along the way at some point have been bruised. Something was said, something was done, and it, it hurt them. And that grew, and it grew, and it grew. And now, what you see on the news, what you see in relationships, is what happens when we don't understand how to deal with these hurtful things that happen to us in our, our lives. But if there's some good news this morning, it's this. Every injustice, everything that's unfair and unjust that was wrong, it, I mean, it, it was wrong, it was, it was unkind, it's not lost on God. God knows where we are, God knows what's happened in our lives, God knows about the bruise, God knows about the scars. That's why he sent Jesus. Jesus Christ came because the world is hurtful. The world has pressures and problems and injustices. God is not in the condemning business. God is in the restoration business. That's why the Holy Spirit, that's why we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit. How do we restore? How do we step into a world that in many ways is just bitter? How do we begin to make it better? When bad breaks happen, when you invest your money in a dream and it doesn't become exactly what you thought it, it could have been, when you get upset, when something just makes no sense to you at all, some good news this morning is that the king is looking for you. The king, God himself, who created the universe, God who created you, he, he, it's not lost on him. He knows where we are. He knows how you feel. And he knows something not best has happened to you. That's exactly what's going on in this story in 2 Samuel chapter 9. The boy's name is Mephibosheth. Now, most of us don't know anybody personally named Mephibosheth. Not many moms have sat down and say, I can't wait to have a baby boy and name him Mephibosheth, right? Say Mephibosheth 10 times fast and you'll see how your tongue gets tied, right? But Mephibosheth is the grandson of King Saul, the first king of Israel. He's the son of Jonathan. Jonathan, the best friend of King David. I mean, everything's looking up for Mephibosheth. He's born into royalty. He's destined for the throne. I mean, he's got everything going for him. And then on one day, everything changed. And we understand that, don't we? You're kind of charting in life, and then all of a sudden, on one particular day, everything that you thought changes. You see, his grandfather, Saul, and his dad, Jonathan, were out in a, in a battle. And a enemy army killed Saul and Jonathan. And when word was brought back to the city that the invading army had now killed Saul and Jonathan, they turned their attention to go back to the city to destroy all of Saul's family. Mephibosheth's nurse, hearing the news, filled with good intentions, she picks up Mephibosheth, he's about five years old at this time, and she starts running. She wants to save him. She wants to spare him. She wants to hide 
him from this army. She has wonderful intentions. However, in her efforts to flee, to protect Mephibosheth, she trips and she falls. The fall is so violent, Mephibosheth breaks both legs and he's crippled for life. Sometimes well-meaning people can hurt us. It's not their intention to hurt us. If they could go back, they would do it all together different. They would try to make it right. Filled with, she, the nurse is filled with good intentions. She wants Mephibosheth to be spared, but she trips. And her mistake cost Mephibosheth his mobility. It's not always fair. Like Mephibosheth, somebody hurts you. Somebody didn't give you the opportunity. The coach looked down on you. The, the, the teacher ridiculed you. you. Your parents wanted nothing to do with you. Your first spouse said, I don't love you anymore. When they should have been there to protect you, when someone should have stood up and said, listen, I, I needed you the most and you weren't there, it does something to us. It hurts us. And now you struggle. You, you struggle with your own sense of self-identity. You struggle with confidence somebody tripped and now you got to pay for their mistake Mephibosheth the Bible says became lame in in both legs and if we got honest this morning all of us are lame in some place in our life all of us have something that's holding us back all of us have experienced something in our life maybe someone else tripped and now you're paying for their mistake or maybe it was your own decision. It was your own actions. And you just find yourself in a place, you're lame. You're wondering, how can I ever get over this? You're like, PMC, it's, but you don't understand. It's, it's not my fault. I, I didn't do it. It's what they said. It's what they did. If they hadn't done what they had done, if my parents, if my boss, if my coach, if the government, if that politician, if they wouldn't have done, we blame the past. And I get it, right? I mean, it, it hurts. Mephibosheth didn't ask for his legs to be broken. He didn't ask to go through his life. But we can make all the excuses. You can try to understand everything, and you can try to blame what's happened, but it never fixes the problem. Quite frankly, it only makes the problem worse because a small problem that's not dealt with gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I would suggest to you that what you see in our culture today, when you watch the news, when you begin to say, this doesn't make sense, when you're frustrated and you're angry and you're wondering what's going on, it's because we haven't dealt with the pain. We haven't dealt with those moments where we tripped or someone else tripped. It might not have been fair. And I know this might sound hard on a Sunday morning, but in life, sometimes you got to take the cards that you've been dealt and you got to deal with it. You can spend your entire life trying to blame. You can spend your entire life saying, this is wrong and this is right. And, I get, and too many of us, we go through life and we're nursing this, this sense of hurt. I think it's time to break the cycle. 
I, I think it's time to go beyond saying, hey, listen, because they didn't do this and my parents didn't do that and, and my mom and my dad or my coach or my, my teacher or the politicians, we can keep blaming, but this cycle just goes over and over and over and it does nothing inside of us and the bitterness that we see in the world, the images that we saw on the screen, they just continue over and over. It's time for those of us who are called believers, followers of Jesus Christ, to let the fruit of the Spirit, and this fruit particularly today, kindness, to flow in us and flow out of us to make a difference in our world. I mean, if mom would have done this and dad would have done this, we got to break this cycle. In an instant, Mephibosheth, he's born into royalty. He's destined for the throne. Things look great for him. In an instant of time, his world gets turned upside down. He's lost his father. He's lost his grandfather. He's lost any kind of, of ability to make a living or to earn anything. He's now crippled. And you'll see in just a moment when we read in 2 Samuel, he's living in a place called Lodabar. Lodabar, the very word and the place, meant wilderness. It meant barren, desolate. That's where he finds himself. The grandson of the king son of royalty it's in his blood but now he's living in the slums he, he's living in the wilderness not much hope for him I, I want us to all to understand this morning that your location does not determine your identity if we could all just get that into our heart this morning because there's a lot of us that we're you're living in Lobodar you're living in a barren place maybe it's in a marriage you're living in a desolate place. Maybe it's in your career. Uh, maybe you're living in a place where you've lost hope because of a diagnosis that a doctor has given to you. It's easy to think that you're living in Lobadar. But living in Lobadar does not change your identity. He is still the son of Jonathan. He is still the grandson of Saul. Just because you're living in a place where you have lost a sense of who you are doesn't mean you aren't who you are. When my daughters graduated from college, one moved to Vegas, when Emily moved to Vegas, and then Katie, not to be outdone by her older sister, she moved all the way to Southern California, right? And they moved thousands of miles away from me and Linda. And they could, listen, they could go around the globe, but no matter where they go, Emily will always be the daughter of Mark and Linda Cummins. Katie will always be the daughter of Mark and Linda Cummins. Why? My DNA, my blood runs through. They could go to the courthouse and change their names. I'm telling you that sometimes you find yourself in Lobadar, but it doesn't determine your identity. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've asked Jesus Christ to be your savior, you need to know that on that day, on that day, he birthed you into royalty. You might feel like you're in Lobadar, but on that day, when you became a follower of Jesus Christ, you were born into royalty. You are now a daughter. You are now a son of the Almighty God. I don't care what you've done. I don't care who tripped. I don't care how broken or bruised that you are. Your identity never, ever changes. Mephibosheth, he was living there. He might not have thought that he had any value. He might have thought that he had lost all hope. He looked at his mangled up legs and he had no real sense of hope for the future. Listen, you may be in Lobadar. 
You may be in a spot, in a place right now that it's, it does, you don't like it. You didn't sign up for this. You, you're not happy by this. You might be in Lobadar, but don't let Lobadar get in you. Lobadar might be where you are, but it's not who you are. As believers and followers in Jesus Christ, we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. But I get it. Mephibosheth, he's stuck. He's broken. He's bruised. He's hiding. And if that's not a picture of the community and the world in which we live, I mean, think about it. Six consecutive weeks now, in the United States of America, we've had a mass shooting. We, we, we had another moment of interaction between a police officer and a black man in the community and wondering what in the world is going on. And you just feel the pressure and you feel the tension. How do we make this world a better place? In our local city, there's a lot of people who are really confused, really upset. Many of you plan on going to the city council meeting this Tuesday night at five o'clock. And you're really, you're you're upset that our city fathers, our councilmen, not our mayor, our councilmen have decided they wanna change the language of our founding documents. They wanna move to a gender neutral. They wanna kind of follow in the footsteps. And some of you are really upset and you're like, my goodness, this underlining principle and how they're trying to change America. I understand that there's tension. I understand that in your mind, the world is not a better place right now. The question is, how do we make it? better how do we move the bitterness that we see everywhere and make it better now look at second samuel chapter 9 and watch god look what he does david david is now the king king saul is dead jonathan's dead david asks, is there anyone still left of the house of the saul of whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake. This makes no sense. You'll see in a moment. Maybe you know this, maybe you don't know this. Saul made David's life hell on earth. David spent most of his adult life hiding in the wilderness, hiding in caves. The things that were said in our language today, there would be news reporters who would report things that aren't true about David. There would be a a Twitter strategy and there would be a text strategy and, and there would be a political strategy that would say to the world that David is no good. We need to get rid of David. He is the problem. Saul made life terrible for David. And so what you see in verse one, you see what happens when a man or a woman decides to let the spirit of God guide them rather than their own emotions. David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David. And the king said to him, are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Remember, 
in Galatians, what we're learning, it's not about what I do. You will get frustrated. You will get fatigued if you try to work up the fruit of the Spirit. You've got to let the Spirit of God work in and out through your life. In and out through your life. He says, is there still someone alive that I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, well, there is still a son of Jonathan. Notice, he's lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, he's in the house of Maker, son of Emil, in, there's that, there's that place that I taught you about, Lodabar. Listen, Jesus Christ came to give us a better life. Jesus Christ came not just for something for you to do on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Jesus came not just for you to have a celebration in the spring and call it Easter. Jesus came to give us a better life, to give us hope in this life and hope in eternal life. Jesus did not come for you to live in Lobadar. He did not come for you to stay stuck and beaten and hiding and thinking somehow that your lameness has cost you your royalty. I want you to know no matter where you are, like Mephibosheth, the king is looking for you. He knows where you are. He doesn't care what you've done, what you've smoked, who you slept with, what you've snorted. He doesn't care what was done against you. He wants you to know, I know where you are. I don't want you to stay in Lobadar. I want you to come home to me. And so look what happens in verse number five. So King David had him brought from Lobadar and from the house of Maker, the son of Emil. When Mephibosheth, now watch this, when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bows down. He gets on his face to pay him honor. Why would he do that? David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. And notice the beginning of verse 7. Don't be afraid. Now, why would Mephibosheth be afraid? He knew. He knew what his granddaddy had done to David. He, he, he knew that the normal, the normal sequence of events is he's about to die he, he's gonna he's gonna be extinguished that's why he's been hiding in Lobadar and now David says to Mephibosheth don't be afraid and some of us we know what we've done and we think God's mad at us and we're hiding you need to know something God's not mad at you God's madly in love with you you you, you got to know something that God God has best for us, regardless of what he's done. The whole story of Jesus is he came because of what we've done. And so notice verse 7, don't be afraid, David says to him, for I will surely show you, and here's our word, kindness. Dream with me how this world might be better if we left this campus today and we just started being kind. I'm going to teach you about that in just a moment. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather. You might think you've lost everything. You need to know something. You serve a God who restores everything. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you'll always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, watch this. Look how low he's gotten. What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? 
Your, your spouse might have said something walking out the door to divorce court. Your kids maybe said something. Your parents said something. That teacher, that coach, that boss. I, I, I get it. Words are said that bruise us. Words are said and actions are, are, are done that, 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 that hurt us deeply. And we come to this conclusion that we're just a lowly dead dog. But you need to know something. That's not who you are. God created you. Every single one of us. Every single human being that you see has been fearfully and wonderfully created by God. And yes, all of us have sinned. And yes, all of us have said things and done things that aren't best. And that's why God sent Jesus to get in the middle of that mess, get in the middle of our sin, so that we who are lost could be found. Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, grandson of the one who made my life miserable, grandson of the one who spread lies and rumors, grandson of the one who forced me to hide in a desert, grandson of the one who stole the strength of my young adulthood, grandson Mephibosheth will eat at David's table like one of the king's sons. Imagine inviting the person who's hurt you the most to your Thanksgiving dinner table. Then Ziba says to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord. The king commanded his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. And all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem. Here's the positive. Because he always ate at the king's table. And notice this last statement. And he was lame in both feet. Hey, God's not put off by your lameness. God's not put off by our brokenness. God doesn't look down at the mess and the abuse and the trouble and the trauma and the way we've been discarded in life and turned off by it. He wants to meet us right there. So what I gotta do here is I want to give you a couple things, help, you to under, help us understand this word kindness, a couple big ideas you can take with you. Because I know what we're thinking right now. Hey, this is a good story. Hey, thanks for telling me. Oh, wow, that's kind of nice. The question is, in 2021, how do we walk out and apply this? How do we live this out? How do we let the Spirit of God reveal kindness in and through our life to make this world a better place? How do we move the needle of our heart? Can I give you a few things? You want to write them down? Number one is this. So important. Kindness doesn't ignore the truth. Some of us think, well, kindness is this kind of, uh, you know, puffy, ethereal, white clouds, right? And it's just like stick your head in the sand, pretend nothing's really happening that's bad, pretend nothing in the world, and it's just like, I just got to be kind to everybody. That's not, that, that's not what biblical kindness is. Biblical kindness embraces the truth. 
Biblical kindness does not ignore the truth. David doesn't have amnesia. David remembers clearly what Saul had done to him. It's not about pushing it away, stuffing it down, pretending that it did not happen. Listen to the words of David from Psalm 59. This is when Saul is pursuing him. This is when, in our language, the evening news is saying how bad, how terrible David is. This is when all of the kind of society and culture, the, the, the kind of the people just think, David, David, watch, look, 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 look what he says. Deliver me from my enemies. Oh, God. Be my fortress against those who are attacking me. Deliver me from evildoers. Kindness doesn't ignore the truth. And save me from those who are after my blood. See how they lie in wait for me. Fierce men conspire against me for no offense. He's talking about the one. He is now extending kindness. He's talking about the one who made his life miserable. Fierce men conspire against me for no offense or sin of mine, Lord. I've done no wrong, yet they are ready to attack me. Arise to help me. Look on my plight. Kindness doesn't ignore the truth. The truth was as Saul pursued David to kill him. But biblical kindness isn't about what someone else did or didn't do. Biblical kindness, David is releasing the kindness that he has experienced from God. There's a story in the book of Genesis about a guy named Joseph. Joseph's brothers were very jealous of him. Joseph's brothers made up a plot and they sold him into slavery. They lied to dad and said, we're so sorry, dad. Your son that you love has been eaten by wild animals. David, uh, Joseph now finds himself in prison. A worldwide famine comes. And Joseph's brothers and his dad, they've run out of food, so they've got to come to Egypt to get some food. What they don't realize is that their brother Joseph, that they abused their brother Joseph, that they lied to, to dad about, their brother Joseph, that they sold into slavery. He was in prison, but because of his character, he grew to the place where he was second in command in Egypt. Joseph would be the very man that the brothers would have to come to and ask for help. In our language today, Joseph would be the banker. And you're trying to get a home loan. And you'd have to go to the banker, the very one that you sold into slavery. And the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 50 that Joseph recognized his brothers. And notice the language in verse 20. He says to his brothers, because kindness doesn't ignore the truth. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph allowed the spirit of kindness to flow out. Rather than attacking his brothers, he was kind. But understand this, kindness always embraces the truth. Speak the truth in love. If you go on Tuesday night to the city council meeting, speak the truth. Share why you're concerned in the way that the direction of the five uh, councilmen are leading our city and our community. But you say it 
with kindness. Don't, don't, don't avoid and don't pretend what truthfully is happening, the undercurrent to change our, our city, to undercurrent change our community. Don't ignore it, but you can say it in the spirit of kindness because kindness does not ignore the truth. Can I give you a second thing real quick? Just write it down. Kindness checks my anger. This is really important. This is incredibly practical, right? Because when somebody's hurt you, when somebody's done me wrong, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, if you grew up on the you know, old school in Italy someplace, if you grew up you know, in, in, in Brooklyn, in New York, when somebody does you wrong, guess what's happening? Somebody's floating down the river. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's right, 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 right. And, and so you got what, what it does is when I'm kind to the person who's done me wrong, it checks my anger. Because it's not about not getting angry. You're going to get angry. I mean, Mephibosheth didn't do anything. She tripped. Sure, she had good intentions. Sure, she, she would, but at the end of the day, she tripped, and now he's paying for her mistake. We want to set the record straight. I say, this is not right. This is not wrong. That anger that's in us, it's fueled by our pain. And look at our society. Look at our culture. Look what we've seen on the news again this week. It's, it's pain. Pain pain it's anger and we can't trust each other and, and we're just it, it, it we're just being literally torn apart the question is how i'm just asked how do you make the world better do you confiscate all the guns do, do, do you get rid of all the police do you make more laws i mean there's lots of people have all kinds of opinions it's all about this or all about that uh, I, I'm just suggesting if we want this world to be better, I think it's going to get better when Christ followers, those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, we let the power and the presence and the spirit of Almighty God of kindness to flow out of us into others. And it checks our anger. Hey, check out Romans 12 and 19. The Bible says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath for it's written. It's mine to avenge. I will repay. You know, we believe some pretty incredible things as Christ followers. You know what you, you believe that Mary was a virgin and she got pregnant. That's a, that's a pretty big belief. You believe that Jesus walked on this earth for 33 years, that he was both God and man simultaneously, and he never sinned. That's a really big belief. You believe that Jesus died on a cross. And on the cross, remember the pain. And in the midst of all that pain, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You believe that he took his last breath on that cross and was buried in a tomb for three days and he became alive again. I would suggest to you, those are some really big things to believe in. Wow, that's big. So my question to you this morning is, if we can believe in these really big things, can we believe that God's got this? That we don't have to take revenge? Here, check it out in the, in the message version. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. God says, I'll do the judging. I'll take care of it. If you can believe in the virgin birth, can you believe that God will take care of that hurtful thing that was done to you? If you believe that Jesus, who was dead, became alive again, can you believe that God will take care 
of that injustice. Ephesians 4, go ahead and be angry. There's some things to be angry about. There are some injustices in the world to step up and let your voice be made known. But we can be angry and check that anger by being kindness at the same time. Go ahead and be angry. You'll do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. And now you'll see what's gone in in our country. We've stayed, we've stayed angry over several issues for decades, in some cases centuries. And notice what happens when we stay angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. It's how a marriage gets blown up. It's how relationships get blown up. In our country, we stay angry against this person. We stay angry against that policy. And what we've done is we've invited the presence of the devil himself to get a foothold into our lives, into our families, into our communities, to our country. Let me give you a third. This is the last thing to write down is this. Is kindness doesn't ignore the truth. We're not sweeping under the rug. Kindness checks my anger, but here's the third thing, right? Kindness ultimately reflects my relationship with Christ. That's what you see with David. David knew the hurt that Saul, he, he knew all about that hurt, but he allowed his relationship with God to reflect kindness. Remember he said, who's still alive that I can show the kindness of God to? Romans 8 and 15. The spirit you received, when you made a decision for Jesus, the spirit you received does not make you slave. But here's the deal. A lot of us are slaves right now. You're slaves because some injustice, somebody done wrong. I'm not, I'm not denying it. You're right. It was wrong. It's unjust. It's unfair. But you've become a slave to that emotion. You've become slave to that action. The Bible says when you met Jesus... When you invited Jesus into your life, you're not a slave to the decisions that politicians make and the policies. You're not a, a slave to what's happening in the news. You're not a slave to what happens at work. You're not a slave to what a doctor might tell you about your prostrate. You're not a slave. He says, I have given you a different kind of spirit. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. By him we cry, Abba, Father. You understand, not everybody, I know this might challenge us, not everybody is a son or daughter of God. Everybody is created in the image of God. Every human being on the face of this earth is created in the image of Almighty God. God created every person. We have been wonderfully and fearfully knitted together by God. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. But not all of us have been adopted to his family. The only way you get adopted and the only way you become a son of God, a daughter of God, is when you lean in and you confess your sins and invite Jesus Christ to save you. That's how. It's, it's, it's like we're all living in the orphanage of sin. And God sends the Spirit of God and says, listen, I, I want you in my family. I want you to come home with me. Believe that Jesus died. Believe that Jesus took, took the penalty of your sin and, and come home with me. First John 3 and 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. You might be living in Lobadar. You might have had circumstances this week that have 
really frustrated you. You might have had a situation that just doesn't make any sense to you. You might feel like you're in Lobadar, but we are called the sons and daughters of God because of our relationship that we have in Jesus Christ. So here, let me wind it all down for something to take home with us this week. Here it is. Are you ready? The spirit of kindness is never deserved. Never. See, you think someone will do something or say something and they deserve my kindness. That's not biblical kindness. Kindness is never deserved. Are you ready for this? And it's never given with strings attached. Mephibosheth was lame in both feet. There was nothing that he could do for the king. Mephibosheth did nothing to deserve the kindness. On the contrary, what his family had done, he deserved the opposite. Kindness is never, ever deserved. It never has strings attached. You know why? Because this Hebrew word, the Bible is written in, in Hebrew and in Greek. This Hebrew word is the same Greek word that we use for grace. God's grace. Not one of us did anything to deserve God's grace. Grace is always undeserved. Grace is always unmerited. Grace is freely given to us by God with no strings attached. Kindness is never deserved. So here's, here's, here's the challenge. Are you ready? This week, who do you need to show kindness to? I'm not talking about your grandkids. That don't count. I'm not talking about, you know, your friend or someone that you like. I'm talking about the, the Saul's in your life. Go, go to the council meeting. I, I, I get it. A lot of people in our community are really upset in what five men are trying to change the whole direction of our community. And if you say nothing, please don't be surprised that it changes. But you go, right? You go, and you can show kindness. You might believe that they're 100% wrong. You, you might believe that they have an underlining tone. You might believe that they've kind of presented themselves as conservative, but now they're in there, right? And l l listen, we are kind. We, ex we give grace. Who do you need to show kindness to this week? Uh, on Friday, I, it's hard to believe this, my youngest, uh, Katie, turned 28 years old. This afternoon, we're going to have her, her birthday dinner, right? And we've got some presents for Katie, and we're being kind to Katie. That doesn't count. <laughs> She's my daughter, right? I can't, oh, yeah, okay, I got some, some presents for Katie. That, that, that's, that's, not the biblical, that's not the biblical kindness. And before you leave today, it's not lost on me. There's a whole lot of people perhaps in this space or watching online. You feel like you're living in Lobadar. And maybe it was someone else tripped. Somebody else dropped the ball. And now you're, you're paying for it. And that hurts. I get it. I want you to know you don't have to stay in Lobadar. I want you to know that Almighty God is looking for you to come home with him.
And so in this closing prayer, if you find yourself because some circumstance or some situation and you're down and you're discouraged, I'm not asking you to pretend that that's not real. I'm asking you this morning, I know the lameness. Mephibosheth is lame. We all have lameness that's holding us back. I'm just saying this morning before we go and in this closing prayer, would you allow God to take you from Lobadar to his table? Some of you, perhaps you're already a Christ follower, but something's happened and you've got yourself off the trail a little bit. You're in Lobadar. Come home to God. I know it's hurt. He doesn't want you to stay there. Some of us, you've never begun a relationship with Jesus. And, and in this space, you can start today. Like, you don't have to stay broken. You don't have to say, okay, all these things that were done to me. You can begin a relationship with Jesus just like this. If you want, in your brain, have this conversation with God. Hey, God, it's me. And I'm done living in Lobadar. I'm done living on the backside of a desert someplace. These hurts, these bruises, this pain, my lameness, I give to you. I believe, Jesus, that you loved me so much that you died on a cross and were buried, and three days later, you became alive again. And today, I'm coming home to your table. And to those of you who prayed and are beginning a relationship with Jesus, congratulations, welcome to God's family. I'd love to help you grow. You can text the word today to 63566. I'll send you some things to help grow, or you can use the card that's right at your chair. I'd love for you to grow. Maybe like what you saw Emily earlier getting baptized. You need to let the world know. Can you, Mephibosheth, all the goodness and the grace and the kindness that was given to him by David, I'm sure he let people know. I'm sure he was tweeting it out. I'm sure he was at the king's table and he was taking some selfies and sending it out on his Instagram. I mean, I'm sure. You understand, baptism is a spiritual Instagram message. It's like, I want the world to see that I'm a follower of Jesus. I've made a decision. The baptism doesn't make you right with God. Jesus makes us right with God. But the baptismal pool, it's an Instagram picture to the world that I'm a follower and believer in Jesus. If you want to be baptized, just the word baptism, 63566. We'll reach out to you just like we did with Emily. Get it all kind of set up. And, uh, and, and we'll get you baptized. Or you want to continue to grow in your faith. Uh, we have something called Growth Track. We totally changed it. Um, I, I realized through the pandemic, one of the things that I had done, I've done wrong is trying to make people, you know, good church members, good church partners. Like, what does that mean, right? No, who gets excited about that, right? Um, I, I, I want to I help you become the best Christ follower. And so we rewrote um, the growth track from, you know, what you can do in the church to who God wants you to be in the world. And uh, if you want to get signed up, just uh, send an email, becky at hopeinocal.com. Can I pray for us? Hey, God, it's, it's Mark, and I'm, I am just blown away And how, Holy Spirit, you take an ancient Hebrew story, thousands of years old. It's as if Mephibosheth and David are living in 2021. God, our world is so bitter. God, we see things that have us so confused. We hear and we don't know what to do. I ask, Holy Spirit, that 
your fruit of kindness, even when we're confused, even when we're hurt, that we'll let your kindness flow. People who think differently, act differently, live differently, vote differently. God, would you give us this spirit of kindness David had towards Mephibosheth? God, show us who that one is this week to extend kindness to that can't repay us. Let the kindness that we have experienced from you be released through us to others. Favor each man and each lady today. May we walk in your grace this week. May we experience your presence and your Holy Spirit. Make your word come alive to us as we read it in our homes, in our conversations that we have with you in prayer. May we continue to see that you're a good God who does exceedingly and abundantly far and above and beyond what we could ever imagine to think of. I sure do love you. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Peace.